You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. So I'm here to talk about rest stops. So rest stops, usually uh, um, it's a good place to stop when you're on a journey to stretch your legs fuel up, get some food, a pause on your journey. Usually you plan for rest stops, but sometimes you take them abruptly like we do with a four-year-old who has to go right now. Um, Lately on my road trip of life, um, I've been speeding through the days and weeks. And then at the end of 2018, I had an unplanned pit stop. It was really more like a flat tire. Before I get into that, You should know a little bit about me. I consider myself to be someone who gets things done. My mom taught me to take care of myself and to not depend on others, to be responsible, show up, do whatever needs to be done. Always in the background is a certainty that I'm a child of God and I'm loved and will be safe and protected, but that didn't get me off the hook of doing the things that needed to be done. I've always believed there could be support from the community around me and I have definitely experienced it, but I don't depend on it. I depend on myself. God is back up when I can't make it work. Then, a couple of months ago, I suddenly couldn't control what was happening. I couldn't even anticipate what was coming next. Suddenly I had to surrender to God, to my family, my cellmates and friends, and even uh, to doctors and nurses. I had to let go of all the things that I was used to doing when I had an unplanned pit stop that included a couple ER trips and a heart ablation. Before I get into that, here is some of Paul's story from his second letter to the Corinthians. He told them about the difficulty of his journey and his gratefulness for God's deliverance in the prayers of the community. Um, Can I get someone to read that for us? Thanks. How hard it was when all this came down on us when we entered Providence. It was so bad we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we could sense death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or which to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raised us today. And he did it rescued us from certain being, and he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescue. You and your prayers are part of the rescue operation. I don't want to leave in the dark about, it, about that either. I can see your faces even now, lifted in praise for God's deliverance of us, a rescue in which your prayers play such a crucial part. Thanks, friend. My story It's not nearly as dramatic as Paul's story, but like me, Paul was in an uncontrollable situation and had to let go of any notion that he could fix it himself. He stepped back, changed his plan, and trusted God to deliver him. He also depended on the prayers and support of the community of Corinthians. My experience also forced me to trust God to rescue me and to depend on the people he surrounds me with, even though, and especially when it does make me feel weak. So my story. As Rachel said, I work at Jefferson University. Um, We merged with Philadelphia University a a little while ago, and my job changed drastically as a result. 
um, I got to be part of building a marketing team. And it was a stressful year and a half of transitioning, figuring out my new job, hiring a new team, and working a lot more than normal. Heart, <clears throat> excuse me, heart palpitations and dizzy spells became pretty usual for me. My heart would race and I would feel out of breath and think, oh, I'm just stressed. I need to breathe more deeply. I should get up earlier to pray. I need to get a counselor. I should exercise. I should do yoga. All of these things I did. And still my heart would occasionally race. Yet whenever a coworker asked me how I was doing, I'd throw on my smile and say, awesome, and keep on moving. Um, in November, I was away at a conference and um, it was a great time to have some rest. I had a break from the constant influx of email and meetings and questions from my team, space to think big picture about my job, connect with my boss and my colleague. One morning I got up and decided to take a walk. It was beautiful, I was in Florida, and someone jogged past me and I thought, oh, great idea, I should do that. So I started jogging and after 15 seconds, I was literally gasping for air. I bent over to catch my breath and ended up on the ground in the hopes of not passing out. After a few minutes, I was able to see clearly, but I was still breathing really hard. I sat there embarrassed on the ground and was glad that nobody walked by. I finally got back to my feet and walked slowly to a lounge chair by the empty pool. And I called my family to say good morning. And I didn't tell them what happened. When I went, met up with my friend and my boss, that morning at the conference, I didn't tell them about it either. I wanted to ignore it. I didn't have time for this to be a big deal. But then I had several more little spells over the next couple days, doing such simple things as pulling my small suitcase in the hotel, or walking from the gift shop to the gate at the airport. This is so annoying, I thought. Not scary, annoying. I was out of my control, and it threatened to mess with my workflow. I didn't want to make a big deal of it, because I didn't want to be seen as needy. But I also knew it was time to see the doctor. I told Scott about it when I got home, and I called the doctor's office, and they told me to come in that day. They did an EKG, and they said it was fine. But they listened to what I was saying, and they sent me to a cardiologist. And amazingly, I got an appointment the very next morning. I prayed that whatever was wrong, that they would be able to figure it out right away <clears throat> and have a plan, and we could be done with this. The next morning, I was diagnosed within three minutes of starting a stress test. I had idiopathic ventricular tachycardia. This is VTAC. It means my heart was beating irregularly from the lower chamber, um, <clears throat> not the top, which is a place that a lot of people have heart problems. It's coming from the top. If you watch any medical dramas, you have heard of VTAC. This is what happens when someone's heart Someone is about to die, and the doctors swoop in and shock them back to life. Mine wasn't quite so dramatic, thank God. The idiopathic part of the diagnosis means that it was not caused by any structural heart disease or metabolic abnormalities. It's just happening for unknown reasons. They don't know what caused it. It wasn't anything I did, which made it even more of a nuisance because I couldn't fix it. I hoped that medicine would be a quick fix. But five days after starting medicine, while here set, helping to set up for the baby goods exchange, I couldn't take five steps without losing my breath. A few days later, I started wearing a heart monitor. And then I had to deal with a phone call 
every time my heart raced. The phone would ring. What were you doing at 5.25 p.m.? Running for the L. The next day, what were you doing at 10 in the morning? Uh, sweeping the front porch. What was happening at 2.30 this afternoon? I was sitting on the floor with my kids. Okay, already, I get it. My heart is not well. The phone calls were hard to ignore. I needed a rest. I started to take things slower when possible without slacking off, of course. I tried to stay calm when I was frustrated. I kept going to my gentle yoga class and tried to start resting in other small ways. But the heart issue started happening while I slept. I woke up with my heart racing, assuming I'd had a bad dream. My heart monitor was lit up with uh, a few messages, and my phone was ringing. What were you doing 10 minutes ago? Sleeping. Oh, well, you were in VTech. Oh, so that wasn't a bad dream because that happens a lot. It happened again the next night. This time at 2 a.m., it was a doctor on the phone telling me to head to the hospital for closer monitoring. Around 7.30 a.m. the next day, I texted my team at work to tell them I was taking a sick day. I hadn't told them what was going on because I didn't want them to worry. After 15 hours in the emergency room, they gave me a new drug and sent me home. But they don't like to give this drug to young people, so the next stop was a heart ablation. This is when they use a, send a catheter through your veins up to your heart to scar your heart. They zap it with electricity. Okay, so what's the, the recovery? I asked my doctor, Dr. Ho, who you may know from 1980s football fame, Notre Dame kicker. No? <laughs> ESPN special, you can look it up. Um, he, he is an excellent doctor, by the way. Um, one, he told me my recovery would be one night in the hospital, and you go home the next morning. Take it easy for a couple days. Mm. Chill, then just no running a marathon anytime soon. I think I can handle that. So I figured I go go in on Thursday, have the procedure, go home Friday, chill out on the weekend, go back to work on Monday. No big deal, done. Well, I had to stop the medicine on Monday before the ablation on Thursday. That Wednesday morning, I ignored a couple of brief dizzy spells. When it was time to help Matthew get dressed, I barely, and I barely made it up the steps without passing out. I realized I should work from home. Not take the day off, of course, because I don't have time for that. I took my kids to school and told my team that I'd be attending meetings by phone. An hour later, my heart was racing nonstop, and I had trouble talking on the phone. After my third call to the doctor, they told me to come in. On the way to the doctor's office, I thought to myself, do I really need to spend $15 on an Uber? For this, I'm sure I'm fine. But as soon as the doctor hooked me up to an EKG, they called an ambulance to transport me one block to the emergency room. I said, I can walk a block. And they said, no, you can't. I said, so I'm not making a big deal of this? And they said, no, definitely not. I was the youngest patient in the cardiology office, and I was the only one leaving on a stretcher. <clears throat> Down the street in the ER, the healthcare team put defibrillator pads on my chest before they started an EKG, just in case. But a big dose of something, twice, got my heartbeat under control. When I texted my boss to say I wouldn't be back at my computer that day because they were admitting me, she called the hospital president. 
who got me a room faster than I expected. I felt bad for canceling meetings. She wanted to make sure I was comfortable. My ablation went well the next day, despite the discomfort of nine hours tied onto a table and occasionally awakening from the sedation and listening to what the doctor was saying. They kept me in the hospital a couple more nights just to make sure that I was all fixed up. So my pit stop started when I realized my problem was bigger than I could handle. But I was still moving along and trying to take care of things without being too needy. The rest part started when I was wheeled into the ambulance. But even here, I was reluctant. When I left the hospital, I had agreed to take off two more days to rest. And I thought I'd be fine after that. But then family and coworkers and nurses at the hospital were encouraging me to stay home longer. What's the rush, they said. Take time to get better. Fortunately, I decided to listen to these wise voices, and I took the rest of the week off. And it was good. I was tired, and they were right. I needed the rest. It was one month from the first doctor's appointment to the day I got out of the hospital. One month of trusting God totally, and also trusting the healthcare team, allowing my boss and teammates to see what I considered to be my weakness, so they could give me love and support. Asking friends and community members to pray for us, to pick up our kids, to bring food. Paul said, instead of trusting in our own strengths or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. And he'll rescue us again as many times as we need rescuing. That's where I was, too. Reflecting now on this whole ordeal, I can see how I was forced to trust God, and I was rescued in many ways. When I realized I needed help, I was able to schedule appointments and get diagnosed quickly, just as I had prayed. When I went to the ER in the middle of the night, Scott was home and able to cancel his work day to take care of the kids and take care of me. And when he needed to be with me at the hospital, our friends picked up the kids, fed them, housed them, without any questions. When I couldn't work, my terrific boss helped me get a bed in the hospital, and my awesome team took care of business, and they sent me flowers. When the doctor told me what was going on and treatment options, I trusted him and felt secure about those options from the start. My confidence in the care that I was getting saved me so much worry, and I really do believe that was God rescue. I've talked about my experience with a couple of different doctors who were not involved in my care, and they both told me how serious it was. But while I was going through that month, I was ignorant of the potential direness of my situation. I was annoyed at having to deal with it, and I just wanted it to be resolved. I went back to work for a few days before Christmas, but then I took a scheduled break to be with my family. That extended my rest stop in a really good way. Although I went back to work on January 3rd, the rest stop lessons are still top of mind. Now I'm being easier on myself. I'm not stressing about work as much. I'm taking things slowly when I think I should, and I'm paying more attention to my body and my mind. This pit stop may have started with a flat tire and an ambulance ride, but I also got to stretch my legs, think about where I'm heading, take lots of naps, and refuel. I have some suggestions of ways that we can all incorporate rest stops into our lives. First is to learn to trust God totally. Let God rescue you from certain doom. 
How do you learn to trust God? It may be hard for some of us. You may need to start with simply spending time with God. Maybe you can take a retreat, or maybe it's just waking up early to spend some time with God before your day gets going. I have two kids, and it's hard to get up before them, but I try. And some days one of them's there on the couch with me while I pray. Maybe you can take a walk in the middle of the day and leave your music off. Don't turn on a podcast. Just be there with God. Once you get to know God and his trustworthiness, start trusting him the rest for you. My next suggestion is to let others be part of the rescue operation. Accept help. Resting means not doing it all on your own. Sometimes you know you need help. Sometimes others know you need it more than you do. When my friend Ashley knew I was going into the hospital, she told me she was bringing us food. I didn't know I needed food delivered, but she did. Listen when your friends say, you look like you need to rest, or you need to talk, or you shouldn't be working. Ask for prayer from your cell and your wider community. You're not alone. You're here in this group. Ask for help with basics, food, a ride, a conversation, childcare. And maybe you need help from my counselor to work on bigger issues and give you a reality check with that help. Another way to incorporate some rest into your life is take it easy on yourself. Take a minute to let go of stress about being late. Take a deep breath when you feel like you should be running to the next thing. Hug your kids or friends or partner when you're frustrated. Stay home when you're sick. Call out for a week after you have surgery. My pit stop was nothing like one I would have planned. But like Paul said, as it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. I've seen how God can use my weakness and vulnerability to show me his love and rescue me. So how is God rescuing you? And how are you using rest stops? Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.